In London, technology is the Silicon Roundabout. Introducing a new talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. Silicon Real. Each week, interviewing entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, financial technology, accelerators, and incubators in an exciting three-person format. Learn about the people behind the innovation. Locally filmed, locally sourced. Silicon Real. It's about the people. Let's do this. Uh, this is Silicon Real, the weekly talk show dedicated to the people of the London technology startup scene. I'm Brian Rose. I also host London Real, which is a, a similar trilogue format. We get three people in the room, try to figure some things out. We've had uh, British MP George Galloway in here. We've had spoken word artist Sully Brakes and uh, author Graham Hancock. So check that out if you like. But we're here to talk about tech. My co-host is Colin Pyle, uh, entrepreneur of the online language school Lingos. You got Crew Cafe. You, you finished your Kickstarter. Yep. You killed it, right? Yeah, dude. I, I don't know if I'd say kill it, but yeah, we, 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 you had a we weird funded. End, you had a weird end date. It was like 27th of December. 27th of December, yeah. Okay. You want to get it done before the new year? So it was just 30 days from when I started. Okay. <laughs> I didn't put too, too much Nothing complex there. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, no secret strategy. But yeah, okay. so finished. Uh, things are going great. Uh, you know, back in the new year and we'll have our pods ready in a few weeks. When do I get my coffee? Because we're going to start serving in here. Soon. Very soon. Very, very, very soon. Okay, and the, it's got the, um, the uh, biodegradable pod, and that's yeah. all happening. Yeah, the first batch in the next couple of weeks will be recyclable plastic, unfortunately, because okay. those are already done, and then biodegradable will come in February. Okay. Immediately, yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks yeah. for being here. Our guest today is Mr. Gareth Davis, who is the co-founder and CEO of AdBrain, which is uh, the world's first real-time multi-screen advertising platform. Uh, you've written the article, Mobile, a Marketer's Nightmare. Um, I can only imagine. Uh, you worked at a Google Media Platform, uh, DoubleClick for many years. Uh, you guys just raised, I think, uh, a million and a half uh, dollars last year in seed funding. Correct. Welcome to Silicon Real. Thank you very much for having me, guys. You know, thanks so much for being here. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I see, you know, mobile ads popping up on my phone every now and then. I see it mostly on the New York Times website, you know, more than anything. And I must say, I notice them, like, much more than I would. It's true. I, I'm sure, well, you were at DoubleClick for many years. I'm sure I tune out most of the ads I see on, on the computer screen. But the mobile ones, I'm first of all curious who's advertising. And, like, I, I've even clicked through a few times. But anyways, I wonder if you could tell us the state of the union right now in, in mobile phone-based advertisement and, and where we're going. I think everyone agrees it's, it's got huge potential. Absolutely. Um, you know, so it's, so it's interesting. I think this is a, a revolution that's being led ultimately at the consumer level, right? So yeah, consumer adoption of, of mobile devices is just blowing up, right? I mean, I think, you know, I won't reel the stats out at you guys, but uh, it's fa you know, fair to say that eyeballs are rapidly moving across to mobile devices, premium publishers. So you mentioned the New York Times, guys yeah. like the Mail Online uh, have gone on record saying that now 50% of their total digital traffic uh, is now coming from mobile devices. Wow. Uh, you know, you see stats saying 12 to 25, uh, 20, 25% of consumer time uh, is spent on mobile devices. Uh, and, you know, amazing for consumers, right? There's so much choice, content's evolving. You can get information that's, that's contextually relevant. Publishers can now serve you content based on your location, your environment. So data that sits behind this is really powerful. Uh, when it comes to advertisers, though, it's tough, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, we've got 15 years plus of digital marketing. 
where accountability, performance, results, everything's measured basically by a cookie, right? So the whole industry is predicated on the ability to track and identify ad spend. Uh, so, you know, marketers in the digital world, if they use a double click or a Google or an App Nexus or whoever, uh, they can start to segment their audiences. So an airline, for example, can say, you know, you looked at flights from London to New York uh, last week. Uh, suddenly you're, you're on a mobile device. Uh, you know, they can start to, uh, you know, in the desktop world, they can start to move uh, and track you as you move through the conversion funnel uh, and understand how to spend money when it comes to social, uh, paid search, display banners, and so forth. But the minute the consumer maps across and moves on to their mobile device, they're lost, right? The cookie just doesn't translate across. So suddenly you've got a whole industry built on accountability, transparency, and so forth. And in mobile, advertisers have no clue who you are. Uh, so the biggest challenge, I think, for a lot of marketers is saying, how do I actually just understand who on earth I'm going to show my ads to? And I think in the past, there's been major challenges, particularly when you see you know, a lot of adoption by um, gambling advertisers, uh, finance advertisers. They want to make really sure that they're targeting the right users in the right countries, uh, you know, all types of stuff. But uh, one of the best the other day, uh, I saw uh, we were doing a campaign, we were troubleshooting. Um, we saw uh, Toys R Us ads being served to Grindr, which is a gay social dating app. So, you know, some would say the placement was good. Others may say otherwise. But uh, Is there a correlation there? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Right. Maybe the campaign performed well. It, it wasn't one of ours. But, you know, I think the key point that I'm trying to highlight is that, uh, you know, mobile field, despite the incredible consumer adoption and the opportunity to, to, to reach consumers as they spend more time on mobile, it's super tough for, for advertisers to actually understand where to target them to deliver the most relevant ads in a privacy compliant way. So, uh, you know, at AdBrain, that's exactly what we focus on. And you're almost more of a big data company as well as just a mobile advertising company. I mean, they, go, they go hand in hand these days. Right? Um, you know, the opportunity in mobile for me is driven by data, right? So firstly, you know, a bit about AdBrain, we're a real-time advertising platform. What does that mean? Uh, so first of all, we build an, uh, an identification and an attribution layer. So we can basically take a ton of data uh, coming in. When you open your phone, you're playing Angry Birds. Uh, for example, the publisher Rovio is selling that ad impression to an ad exchange. So we moved away from the traditional means of buying and selling ads by calling a guy up and saying, you know, give me a block of inventory. Uh, so we moved into this whole concept of automation in digital advertising over the last kind of five years or so, where ads are bought and sold in real time based on data. Uh, the beauty in mobile is there's so much more data coming in. So suddenly we may know, for example, if you're sharing your location with the app you're in, uh, we can know your geolocation down to a pinpoint uh, you know, grid on a, you know, the block you are on the street, for example. And how do you know that information? Do we have to opt in? It has to be opt-in, yes. Yeah. Okay. So we are, we're super careful about ensuring sure. we only take data sets that are 100% privacy compliant. So the publish, you would have had to opt-in, and in the terms of conditions of the app you're in, it says you, know, you can use your location data for whatever reason. Right. So the publisher's selling that, right? You know, we're just taking whatever data that is coming at our, at our technology stack. Uh, so we take up to 100 data points coming through in real time, and we run a bunch of probabilistic statistical algorithms to say, without a cookie, that we have a unique user. So we build a very rich audience profile from all of this data. So we can start to say, again, in a privacy-compliant way, that we have a unique person, right? So that whole piece about tracking is solved. So suddenly, we can deliver ads to a device. And we know if you then click and convert, you book a flight, you play a game, you download credit in the game, whatever, we know that that's uh, resulted from an ad that we've delivered through our platform. Do, do phones hold cookies? I mean, they... Um, well, we're getting into the depths of it now. Um, so 
I was just wondering how you might track me from my iMac to my iPhone. New York Times, for example, yeah. I might be signed up for a subscription. Is that email the same one as this email? Right. I, I just, I don't even know. Sure. So listen, we, we, we look at it two ways. So first of all, marketers need tools for mobile, right? So once we've identified the user in mobile, we then have tools to make real-time advertising decisions, but the buyer is in control. So they're, you know, we're a, a, a software as a service platform. So big global agencies and brands license our technology. They do it all themselves. It's self-service. Um, so, uh, you know, ultimately, they've got an opportunity to layer over their own proprietary data. So, uh, again, let's take British Airways as an example of a, of a hypothetical campaign. I'll note we're in a private beta, so I won't, I won't disclose uh, clients specifically at the moment. But uh, an airline, for example, might have a whole ton of CRM data. You know, you're part of the Air Miles program. They know every flight you've ever booked, every route you've gone on, uh, household income, demographic, and so forth. Um, so they can, you know, if they can map that data back to our data sets and start to understand, you know, again, probabilistically, if that's likely to be on a, you on a mobile device, uh, it can massively transform the performance of the advertising campaign. Uh, so all of this is a big data challenge, right? It, it, it's condensing. You know, we could listen up to 100 billion ad impressions a month through our service, right? Uh, and more if we wanted to. So there's only 1.5 billion smartphones in the world. So we see the same devices again and again. So it's all about how do you leverage all of this data that you don't get in online. So you don't get the location, the environment, all the behavioral habits that you get on a smartphone or on a tablet uh, are, are pretty unique. So that, that's what excites us. Talk to us about AdBrain. We always ask people to sit there, you know, what have you guys done and what are you planning to do? And, sure. and why do you think you'll win in this space? Sure. Uh, so listen, we've, we've got a few founding principles, right? And, and one of the key ones is about transparency. Uh, That's so, big on your website. You guys are very serious about mm, that. Big time. So, you know, we, you know, AdBrain was born out of frustration, right? So you mentioned, you know, I spent time at Google and DoubleClick and so forth. Uh, you know, companies like Google and others are, are, are built large enterprise software platforms that basically provide the tools for the buyers to do really cool stuff. Uh, yeah, App Nexus is another fantastic example, a company you know, we really respect and admire what they've done in the digital space. Um, but you know, these tools don't necessarily work you know, the way you would need them to work in a mobile environment. So uh, you know, coming out of the, the, this kind of world and having worked with some of the largest spenders in mobile uh, from the agency side and on the buy side, I realized there was a complete lack of credible tech. You know, it, it's just unfortunately, you know, and that's not to be disparaging about the competitive set, I think it's very much a factor of, of where we are as an industry. Uh, you know, it's the adoption curve. It's like going back, like I said, 12, 15 years in digital. And you have a lot of ad networks that sit in the middle and they buy ads low, they sell them high. Uh, there's a lot of uh, money to be made and it's actually easier often for buyers um, at the earlier stage of the adoption curve because they know they can call a guy up, they can get their spend out the door, they can get some sort of uh, uh, performance back. Um, but AdBrain was built really out of a desire to go a lot further, knowing that all this data was sat there. Uh, and if we had the right tools, the right tech that we have in the digital world and made it from the ground up from mobile uh, and really focused on the data leveraging angle, we could do some cool stuff. So, you know, I think frustration was more than anything the driver behind starting the business. Um, so, you know, transparency for us is about saying, how do we give complete value to the buyer, right? You know, we, we're not trying to arbitrage. We're not trying to resell ads and do any of this funky stuff. We just want to build the coolest tech and put it in the hands of the smartest buyers. And uh, why do you think you guys are going to win? And, and is the space different from when you started? So it's, it's evolving, right? I mean, there's, a ton, there's definitely a ton of competition. Uh, you know, and capital, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, thrown. listen, advertising is a $500 billion 
billion dollar global industry, right? Digital is accounting roughly a 20% of that globally. Uh, you know, mobile is about 2%, yeah? so it, it, 2 to 3%. So it's growing pretty quickly. Uh, but when we went back to saying consumers are spending anywhere from 12 to 20%, and then if you look at the mail online, 50% of the time is coming from a mobile device. So there's a major opportunity. So a ton of super smart guys are after, you know, are after the kind of challenge. You know, I think for me, how do you def defend yourself against that? First and foremost, it's talent. Right, so you know we're a team now of, of 16, uh, and we got another eight joining us this month. We're growing pretty rapidly, which is is awesome. Um, heavy bias on engineering, right? So there's a real uh, hardcore business intelligence, artificial intelligence, big data set, uh, which was tough actually to find the right the right team. But once we've got it, we're just you know we're flying. So I think you know for me first and foremost, it's building a business that's driven around technology, engineering, R and D. Uh, and then making sure that we're working with some of the smartest buyers that, you know, we, we've got a, hopefully a pretty good idea of the kind of roadmap that we need to develop, uh, but we're working very closely with uh, uh, key partners, some of the biggest spenders in the world, for them to come in and say, listen, these are the types of features, this is the type of data we want to use. Uh, so hopefully the marriage of a real commitment to tech, uh, a commitment to, to building real value-adding technology products, really clear commercial model, some pretty unique IP, I like to think, under there. We're excited about what we've developed. Um, and the right partners, hopefully, will be uh, the right mix. And of course, some, uh, some great investors and backers that believe in what we're doing and, and will help fund us uh, as we start to grow. You said 16 people, you're adding eight. That buck and a half in the bank doesn't go very far, does sure. it? Sure. You must be thinking or no, needing no. some more money soon. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I can't say I'm too I'm sure you were going to say something. Yeah, yeah, right? it was close to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you, you guys know the story. Yeah. Uh, the money goes quickly. Sure. Um, 24 yeah. miles is a lot. I mean, we, we, listen, we're super, super uh, frugal, right? I mean, you know, talk about lean. We, uh, we make sure we uh, are careful of every penny. But, yeah, we're raising more capital. So uh, we're, we're going through the final throws of that in the moment. So uh, hopefully who, something to announce soon. Who's behind the mill and a half? Uh, so we got an awesome mix of, of angels. Okay. Um, so, so that's uh, a big angel round. Uh, well, I was about to say, plus Notion Capital. Okay. So Notion, uh, they founded uh, Star Internet, the first ISP in the UK. Message Labs, which sold for over a billion dollars. Sure. Uh, so these guys are hardcore uh, enterprise SaaS VCs. They've been out and done it themselves. So okay. uh, great partners. And then we've got some, uh, some fantastic uh, ad tech and mobile royalty uh, angels come on board at the seed round. So, okay. cool. uh, yeah. And more money to come. More money to come. Okay. I cannot disclose. Fair but, enough. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> you know, this is Silicon Real, and we like to get real. And so we like to hit you with a few questions that are uh, maybe a bit more devil's advocate. Do you have one on wine? Because otherwise I'm going to hit him with one. Yeah, I, I guess. So for me, I'm not a huge techie. I don't sure. sort of understand completely the whole space. I just maybe you, you look at what Google's trying to do with Google now. Yeah. Yeah, have you downloaded no, this new app? No, no, it's pretty an cool. Awesome product, man. Really cool. It's amazing. So I played around with it over the last it? month or so, um, and that's I, I see that as a real opportunity for taking my online personality uh, onto onto my mobile. So maybe talk a little bit about how you guys differentiate from that, and how you anticipate either to work with mm -hmm. someone like that, or or to sort of you guys are are, are completely different. And can yeah. one of you guys describe Google now? Because I don't know what you're talking about. Google, it's an yeah. app, yeah. yeah. It's an app, on, I don't know if it's on Android. It's, it's on Android, it right? Android, so, yeah. okay. uh, I, I, I've yep. got it on here now, right? So you open up, let you have a little play. You, you literally now, it's integrated so well with the OS that you yeah. just open up, your, uh, you open up your search bar 
And straight away it pulls my location. It says 42 minutes to home. Yeah. It, it's actually not bad. So, it's, and it pulls information from your e Gmail account. Okay. So like when I was- uh, Which you allow it, it to take. Yeah, so when I was in California, for example, over the holidays, it saw on the days I was flying, it saw my confirmations come through my email and it would give me live status update on my flights. And so it did all that with AI. You didn't have yeah, to tell I didn't it have to. to tell it anything. Okay. And, and so it tells you where you are and cool things that are happening okay. in your location. So it's, a, it's very much that AI, that next evolution of, of where things are going, where the, the technology is telling you what to do as opposed to you asking it. All right. Okay. All right, yeah. cool. Then I'll go, I'll go to you, Gareth. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so first of all, you know, you made a point around, you know, the, the tech side of things, you know, I think there's a lot of complexity. I'll just say one thing, a lot of complexity about the tech uh, behind, you know, what we've built, but the reality is super simple. There's a beautiful UI where clients can basically deliver more relevant and meaningful ads to consumers. So, you know, that's what we care about. The end product is hopefully a far more targeted ad that hits your device you're yeah. more likely to engage with. Uh, and the beauty is because it's more targeted, the advertiser can buy fewer ads. So it's not spray and pray irrelevant stuff. Uh, an advertiser can actually make more uh, uh, and deliver more engagement, uh, more conversions, more sales uh, with fewer ads. So that, that's a cool thing. And so your customers, consumers. So your customers are ad agencies, not yeah. necessarily the business. Correct, okay. ad, you know, fundamentally. I Fundament mean, we work correct. with a couple of direct clients. Sure. Uh, you know, big global social gaming guys that, that don't really work with agencies. They okay. bring it all in-house. But yeah, we'd like to work with the big, large agency groups. Cool. Okay. Well, someday will it be like a Facebook ad or a YouTube ad where people can do it individually? Or is this like 10 years down we the road? We shall see, man. We, okay. shall, <laughs> we shall see. All right. Sorry, you were saying. So going back to, so it's funny, you know what? Uh, Eric Schmidt was on uh, Bloomberg West about a week ago. Uh, and he was asked his predictions, crystal ball gazing for 2014. Uh, he said three things. He said, first of all, uh, mobile. He said, people have even begun to overhype the trend that is mobile, right? That, you know, despite the, the coverage in, in the press, you know, uh, there's a great book actually called The Fifth Wave that looks at how, you know, we've moved from multiple iterations of computing from the mainframe to the PC and, you know, all the way through the, to the desktop internet and how mobile is just, you know, driving exponential growth, adoption, innovation. Uh, so, you know, Eric, you know, I, I kind of trust what he says to a certain degree. Uh, smart guy. Um, he's done okay for himself. He's done okay. Yeah. He's done okay. He's, he needs to up his game a little this year, but he's doing good. <laughs> doing good. Absolutely. Maybe less political uh, tours of the world, but yeah. who knows? I wouldn't like to comment. Um, so, uh, so going back, um, mobility. Uh, and again, you know, the beauty for a company like Google, obviously, is, you know, they, you know, they yeah. want to anticipate what you're going to search for before you've even thought about it. And mobile has this unique opportunity to understand environment and location and behavior in a way that you just don't have online. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and the second was machine learning and big data. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, traditionally the opportunity lie in working with advertisers saying, hey, how do you buy an ad and deliver it? Uh, but increasingly, we look at large publishers, guys like Spotify or Pandora, uh, mobile network operators that are sitting on a ton of data. People are sending fewer SMS. They're using WhatsApp and Snapchat. Uh, they're not making you know, phone calls anymore, but they're sitting on crazy data assets. Uh, you know, you're looking at all these types of data players that are suddenly saying, hey, I can, you know, I can create value somewhere in this advertising mix. I can help deliver someone, deliver a better ad to a consumer. Uh, so suddenly I think we're seeing you know, the, the, the concept of data and mobility is changing and machine learning. If you can tie it all together, anyone with a data asset could do some pretty cool stuff in advertising uh, and hopefully, again, deliver better ads to consumers. So you know, I, I think the big shift that I'm excited about is not just you know, how do we put the tools in the hands of the buyers to deliver better ads, but how do we create whole new opportunities for guys that weren't traditional advertisers to leverage their, uh, uh, you know, and activate their data 
uh, in a way that can create value somehow. So empower them, let them, yeah. let them use the tools, let them see the real-time feedback, let them play with it, and Absolutely. then they'll be sold. Absolutely. But I didn't answer your point on, on Google now. So, you know, I think the difference is, you know, unfortunately, we're not in the OS, right? You know, our technology takes the data that's out there and it just does cool stuff with it. Google owns the OS. It owns soon the hardware with Motorola. It owns the service. So they know so much stuff. That, Control the whole yeah, chain. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're certainly doing some pretty cool stuff around AI. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Google now. Okay. The first time I opened it, I was in Paris. It gave me the time back home. It gave yeah. me a, a, yeah. an English to French translation. It gave me currency recommended places nearby i mean yeah. you, know, you don't need to do anything it tells you what to do <laughs> i cool. feel so backward man i'm gonna download it right when i, <laughs> yeah. right when I get finished with Pretty this cool. you know speaking of google i mean you came from there obviously they're huge players in the space you know the, the innovators dilemma comes up on the show all the time with like fintech guys battling the banks you know sure. but you guys are going against your former employer in a space that you would expect them to be all over to own to set up you know small independent startups within the company you know uh, i know you've had been asked this question before but, but what do you say to that how do you compete with those big guys Sure. I mean, you know, I think it's tough. I have nothing but you know, tremendous respect for, for guys like, you know, I mentioned Google and AppNexus and others. There are, there are big, you know, big players out there that are, are doing some pretty exciting stuff. Um, you know, fundamentally, we are, you know, we are competing, right? We're going after, you know, th these guys understand the need to, to shift across to mobile pretty rapidly. Um, the, you know, the big challenge, I think, for a lot of the incumbent desktop advertising tech players is that, you know, the other challenge is, the, the dollars still aren't there to a certain degree, right? So, you know, there's a major amount of growth still to be had in video. The average cost per thousand impressions, so that, you know, the, the, the units through which an advertiser buys, buys a block of ads in, in uh, video is, you know, 10x plus higher uh, than it is on mobile, right? So I think historically there's been a major focus uh, from the technology players, from the agencies on, on cracking some of the challenges first around video before they get to mobile. Uh, so, you know, how do we go up against it? We, you know, we build from the ground up, right? I think when you've got, you know, take Google out of the equation, any of our desktop uh, competitors have built pretty formidable tech uh, on the back of the cookie, right? Everything's geared up for the cookie. So they've got years of machine learning insights and data, and they've got a whole tech stack and a data stack driven around desktop. Suddenly, you've got like a mobile device spewing out all types of different data, right? And, and it's, I think it's quite tough. You're like a, a big ship with a small rudder trying to, get over there. So, you know, the reality is, is as a startup being uh, maybe a little bit more nimble, um, you know, that's, that's always a benefit. We can uh, laser focus on a major problem and build from the ground up. And I think we've seen certainly that uh, a lot of the big desktop players are having to acquire in uh, capabilities in mobile. Uh, we've seen, you know, five, six major uh, mobile ad tech acquisitions last year. Twitter, for example, just acquired Mopub for 320 odd million dollars. Um, in order to have capabilities in, in real-time mobile advertising. So, you know, I think we see time and time again that it's often a lot easier for these guys to acquire in assets. Not that that's our goal, right? We just want to create value and, and do cool stuff. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be, we'll be quicker. But, uh, yeah, we'll, you know, we're watching. <laughs> you know, you've got an accent that gives away where you come from. But I was wondering if you, if you actually took a step back a couple of years ago before you started this company and, like, you know, we're an alien looking at the globe. Would you, would you decide again to start this up in London? And, and if so, why? I love London, man. Um, <laughs> but from a business I'm, standpoint, I'm gonna, yeah, no, commercially, yeah, oh, you commercially, know, you do. yeah, okay, personally, yeah. I love, I love London. Me I too. <laughs> it's it's a great city. Um, I just feel the energy. Being back, I was away for a few weeks. Yeah, just being back, it's like wow. Ah, you didn't feel that in LA or San Francisco, even. Mm, it was pretty sleepy when I was there because it was over the holidays. Yeah. But but 
yeah, San Francisco probably has it, but I just find so much going on here, so much energy. I don't care if it rains. Good answer. <laughs> I minus, love that. It's minus 22 and snowy from where I'm from. So Says yeah. the man with a tan, though. You yeah, that's right. I'll take, I'll take 10 and rainy any day. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Sorry, so, why, London. why London? <laughs> my rant, my little rant. <laughs> no, <it's good. laughs> so, uh, why London? I mean, listen, we've got uh, one of the most advanced media businesses in the world, right? I mean, historically, the media industry in London is fantastic. Advertising, you know, Saatchi, Ogilvy, I mean, you know, the, the, the list go on in traditional uh, advertising. So Just think, innovators in advertising. Yeah, absolutely. For the know, past 20, 30, 40 years, right? 100%. So the, there's a long, strong legacy of, of innovation around communications, media, advertising, uh, which is pretty cool. You've got access to capital. I think, you know, a lot of people bemoan the availability of venture capital in Europe, but we're kind of seeing some pretty cool things happening there and, and actually seeing quite a lot of available capital around. Um, there's unbelievable engineering talent. You know, we're building a, a major engineering hub out of London. We looked at all the options. I mean, I started looking uh, at a team in Tel Aviv, uh, looked all across Europe uh, and actually found just un unbelievable talent, brought three technical co-founders on board uh, and we've just been able to attract you know, phenomenal engineering talent. Did you bring them from Europe or you found them in London? In here. In a but are they, from, are they from Europe? Uh, one, uh, so in terms of nationalities, yeah. Italian, Iranian, and Sri Lankan. Cool. So, so that's London, right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah London. I love it. And they were we already here. They were already here, part of an incubator called Entrepreneur First. Okay. Uh, so my CTO had hand-selected yeah. a team and they were working on some pretty crazy big data challenges. An ex-Groupon friend of mine was like, hey, you've got to, got to check out these guys. And, and I went down. They were part of Entrepreneur First, which is a, a pretty awesome uh, accelerator. Um, so we, we need to get those guys in, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know about them. If you're listening. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, th their whole mission, right? They were originally born out of a McKinsey project, which said, how do we, you know, McKinsey were brought into the government to say, hey, you know, a few years back, how do we drive uh, organic innovation uh, within the tech startup sector? And they, they did a whole project. And at the end of it, they basically said, you've got to devolve power, right? Uh, and they went out and, and they put together an accelerator program that, that brought some of the best uh, talent out of British universities. A pretty heavy bias. I mean, there's a good split between you know, commercial and marketing, but really a heavy bias towards engineering. Uh, so my team came through the inaugural year. So all kind of PhD, uh, uh, you know, data science, uh, artificial intelligence type guys uh, that were working on some big problems and I came along, I'd you know, been in the industry for years, uh, had the relationships, uh, needed the right team and you know, it was just the perfect fit. So, Is it easier to get talent here than in San Francisco or New York do you think? It's cheaper. It's cheaper. Not significantly but you know, I, I think right now, right, so we're in the process, um, you know, we've got an incredibly diverse team. Uh, and we're sponsoring uh, individuals from you know all over the world, from India, from China, uh, from all over. And I think, despite you know uh, the tirade on in the press currently about immigration in the UK, you know I, I, th I think when you're working on big IP-driven you know businesses like uh, like AdBrain, um, it, it's not it's not so hard to make sure that you've got the right talent. Obviously, you've got to search for British talent. We've got some fantastic British developers, but you know London for me is a global city. There's there's such a pool of talent. And on the data kind of AI side, these guys are less and less over at the banks. Uh, or they're not attracted to the banks. They want to come to the startups. So, 
What would you, for us. What, in the industry, what would you like to see change in London? I mean, you said earlier, you don't think that complaint is valid, that there's not enough funding. We heard that from a few other guys recently. Yeah. As in, you're not looking hard enough, or you don't, maybe you don't have the right business model. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what's your... Maybe your business just sucks. I think that, that's a big thing too, right? It's just like... <laughs> hey, I don't want to say it, right? No, no. You can say it. Why not? <laughs> Sorry. Dude, you're back and punchier than I know. Sorry, I like yeah, it. Okay. I like it. But, uh, <laughs> so what would you like to see change about London? Would you like to see, you know, we talked about it before, that, that big exit, that big IPO. Would you like to see those things happen more so than any other things? There are awesome businesses here. I mean, you know, King.com, MindCandy, uh, you know, a whole bunch of them, Wonga. You know, there are formidable businesses, uh, you know, building uh, pretty building pretty cool tech assets out of London. So, you know, I think we're kind of already there as a city. Uh, you know, we need more development, I think, in the angel scene. Uh, you know, there needs to be more money and, and expertise cycling around. But I think there's just so much going on. I think it's just a question of time, right? I mean, you know, we can't be expected to, to, to leapfrog uh, San Francisco, the valley, immediately. Uh, you know, it takes time. But um, listen, the other, the other reason I, I love London is you've got some of the biggest brands in the world, some of the biggest advertising agency groups. You know, it's London and, and New York, right, are the two places for us to be. Um, so, uh, you know, what do we need to do in London? I think just, you know, keep on and keep plugging away. And I'm sure there will be, you know, increasingly more and more young talent that are drawn, you know, not to go into the banks or to go into the consultancies and, uh, you know, already wanting to come into the startups. And, you know, they, they might not be founders from day one, but they're starting to learn and, and new skills. And there's a real cross-pollination of ideas. And I think because it's such a liberal, open city, uh, with so much immigration, uh, I think we're just a, a melting pot for opportunity. So I'm bullish. I love it. Very bullish. Do you do you get phone calls from guys at Google that you left behind that that are that are like you know Gareth, how's the good life? And, and is there is there something that you've learned over the last few years um, about doing a startup that um, that you would tell them to give them some advice? Whether to stay put or not. Enjoy every meal you get, right? All that free food. Okay. You've got to go and buy your lunch. It's, uh, it's a cold, hard world out there. There really is no free lunch when you uh, work no for yourself. No free lunch. You don't work for Google. Yeah. So on, on that topic, you know, you had some good, good career, right? You're in your 30s, maybe? I'm, I'm a young man, yeah. yeah. And you, so how do you leave a really lucrative, nice career path yep. to go start something else? I think a lot of people struggle with that. So... How did you? Yeah, how did I mean, you do it? It's a good question. I mean, it's an itch, right? Yeah. All my life, I've been itching to, you know, to to, to do stuff. Uh, so within Google, I was always hunting down smaller teams where I could have bigger impacts and 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 drive more product innovation and get closer to the market and so forth. So you know, for, for me, over a while, it you know it became clear I needed to to, to kind of be in that type of environment. Um, I realized, you know, the reason I left Google was purely because I didn't feel we were going to solve the mobile problem immediately. I felt it was such a major, you know, we're going through such a transformational shift as an industry uh, and even at the consumer level and there was going to be a ton of opportunity. Uh, but there weren't a, a million and one places to go at the time, right? The tech landscape was, was very immature. So I went to SOMO, which is one of the, the largest global independent mobile ad agencies. Uh, and they're just around the corner. They're just growing at an unbelievable clip. I joined when there were 30-odd people. We opened two offices on the West Coast, East Coast, Singapore. Wow. Uh, you know, some of the biggest global spenders in, in mobile going through these guys. And, you know, sat there solving complex problems and building tech from the ground up. And, you know, being in an agency, building out a pretty big engineering team was, uh, you know, a crazy thing to do. So for me, I think it was frustration. Just, you know, had to go and solve some big problems. Um, but... 
I don't know. I think it's just the, you know, it's the risk reward mentality. I felt I knew kind of what, what the path was like if I right. stayed in a corporate. As unbelievable as Google is, it, it's quite a comfortable place to be. Uh, yeah. You're surrounded by amazing talent. You can be pushed like crazy. But I just felt that, you know, jumping out. Plus, you know, I got an Israeli wife and uh, they, uh, the Israeli culture is different. It's like, you know. Don't be a schmuck. Go and uh, <laughs> go and do it yourself. And not non-risk averse, or may, just no fear of risk at all. Okay, just no. What fear. do you think drives that? We'll, we'll get yeah. into I, Tel Aviv. Well, let's we talk wanna... about. Let's talk about yeah. it. And let's talk about it really, really quick now. Yeah, sure. On that same note, you just came back from Tel Aviv. You were there over the holidays. That's right. Your, your missus is from there. That's right. What What's that scene like? And if you talk about, explain what you just said. It, yeah. Listen, Tel Aviv. Israel as a country is awesome, right? Tel Aviv is an unbelievable. There's a great book called Startup Nation by uh, Dan Singer and Saul Cena, I think it is. Uh, and, and it asked the question, it says, how, how does a country of 7 million people, all right, uh, surrounded by uh, neighbors that are, are pretty much hell-bent on its destruction, uh, multiple wars and, and, and so forth, raining down over the last uh, uh, 60 years since they've been declared a state, um, you know, how does a country in such a, a precarious situation uh, build uh, more companies on the NASDAQ than I believe, I may be misquoting, so check out the book, uh, China, India, Europe, and uh, somewhere else in Asia combined. Right? Just crazy. The level of innovation, and a lot of it comes from agriculture. They've, you know, they've, they've found ways to, to irrigate deserts. You know, it's the needs must, right? Uh, just tons of it. Obviously, you've got companies like Waze. Uh, you've got early companies like uh, Amdocs and, and many others where there's been, you know, billion dollar businesses built out of Israel. But uh, a lot of it is, is down arguably to the, uh, to the army there. Everyone's forced to go to the army. You know, you do, as you're, a, you're a guy, you do three years military service. Three full years. Okay. Three full years. Women do two. Uh, so my wife did two years in the army, right? Okay. And um, what happens if you're particularly strong on, you know, science and maths and all the rest, you kind of get funneled through school and suddenly you find yourself in one of the elite intelligence units. So these guys, you know, what matters isn't what university or what college you went to. It's what unit you served at in the army. So small country, everyone knows each other. You learn to hack and do all types of crazy stuff on, on counterintelligence. Uh, and these guys come out and suddenly, you know, you're in Tel Aviv, you're on the beach. You've got Sequoia there. You've got Greylock. You've got Bessemer. There's tons of capital. The they all have offices there. Oh, all okay. have offices, right? So yeah. the Israeli government made it incredibly easy for uh, external capital to invest. Um, tons of smart guys. And just a culture where, you know, it's a, bit, it's a scrappy culture, but uh, everyone believes that they can do something. There's no fear of risk. You know, you're constantly under threat, so go for it. Live every day. There's, you know, is it is it that simple that they that they are constantly under threat, and you have to kind of seize the day? I, I don't know. That's my interpretation, okay. right? I don't think you can ever boil it down, but right. uh, it's a it's a certain it's a country of immigrants, right? I mean, you had you know the, after the fall of the Soviet Union, you had you know close to two million Russian Jews came across to uh, to Israel, and guys with PhDs, you know, scientists and mathematicians, and you know many others. Not they weren't all PhDs, right? But uh, a fair few uh, smart guys um, came across. Uh, many of them couldn't find work, you know, they were, but they worked, you know, car park attendants and whatever. And, you know, their, their kids have grown up super smart guys and, you know, they want to achieve something. So, you know, you've got a country of immigrants, you've got a, a, a constant threat, a, a belief that anything is possible. Uh, and then you throw in a, a, a very non-hierarchical uh, society and military, right? The, the, there's very little hierarchy in the military. So there's a whole culture of learning, debriefing, and whatever. So people don't just get the technical skills in, you know, in the elite units, but they get the, you know, the concept of leadership at a very young age. So I think it fits well for going and starting a business. And your, your missus said, just go for it. 
Just go for yeah. it. Go for it the, is it the tax incentives in, in Israel? Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Is it similar to here, kind of? Or? So the Israeli, the Israeli government basically underwrote a, a large chunk of uh, early stage capital. So if you're investing a couple of million, they would underwrite 50% of, your, of okay. your deal. So it was pretty interesting for a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the big funds to come across. Interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, Google's got a major engineering office in Tel Aviv, one up in Haifa. Uh, they've just built a big Google campus. Uh, you know, I was there the other day. I was seeing a guy who sold his business to the BBC. He's running a, a big social gaming company there. You know, we're chatting over lunch, and he's like, oh, there's a company over there. They do toolbars. They have 500 million toolbar extensions downloaded. They're sitting on a ton of data. You should chat to these guys. Pick up the phone. You know, they're down there in the cafe. Suddenly, you're meeting another. You know, everyone, everyone works together, right, in the, in the same little bunch of streets, people drinking the same pubs. So in the same way that you have a... Uh, a, a physical uh, presence and kind of central location in uh, in, in Shoreditch, yeah. but I think even in London it's a bit more spread out. It, you know, it's not just around Old Street, but in Tel Aviv it's small. Everyone knows everyone. So. That density and serendipitous moments, and that's that Simon Cook was saying. It's sort of that's where innovation comes from, and it's uh, yeah, and yeah. it's that physical population density. Yeah. You can't do this on Facebook. You right. can't do this virtually. It really needs to be yeah. you know three guys in a room talking rubbish. Maybe some beers are involved. I don't yeah. know. But that's how a lot of these ideas start, you know. It's, Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of comforting to know. <laughs> There's a bit old school there. Um, just to finish up with that brain, have you guys launched? Um, where are you guys headed in the next, like, year, you sure. know, two years as far as sure. your, your sure. business? Sure. So we're, we're almost 14 months into development now. So a major R&D project. Uh, we, you know, our, our platform's been live for a number of months, but uh, we turned on our private beta uh, back in November. So we, you know, just activating clients and, and working with some pretty cool guys. Um, so that is all underway at the moment and we're starting to ramp up quite quickly. Uh, so we're building out all the, the necessary operational uh, business development, operations, uh, support and so forth. Uh, we've got some pretty cool plans for New York coming very soon indeed. So watch this space. Uh, and really the plan, you know, it's all about execution. I think 2013 was you know, building tech, proving it, getting it out to market, getting in the hands of smart buyers and kind of getting that nod of approval. Uh, so now it's just go, go, go. Awesome, man. I love it. He's very bullish on the future. I like that. I like <laughs> yeah. that. You know, what we always ask everyone that sits there a bit of an advice question. You might have known this is coming, but I'm going to hit you with it anyways. Um, if you could make a phone call to the 20-year-old Gareth Davies mm -hmm. and give that young man a bit of advice, mm -hmm. what would you tell him? Uh, listen more than you speak. Were you quite a talker? Yeah. No, it's not that. Surround, you know, I think, you know, the, the best advice... I've ever had is to, to surround yourself by super smart guys that are a lot smarter than you and just ask a ton of questions and soak up a lot of stuff and, and bounce ideas off of people from all different walks of life and whether it's business or whatever, um, getting that kind of diversity of opinion. You, you know, you never know when you're going to hear something from someone over here who's a specialist in, you know, in coffee, right? Or in, in, in maths and big data or in advertising or in, you know, uh, food delivery or whatever, you know, it's just uh, bouncing good ideas around and, and learning from other people, I think, is, uh, has the ability somehow it penetrates and I think it all mixes around and suddenly uh, good ideas come out of it. So listen, 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 listen. Just on that, it's a, that comes up all the time, sort of surround yourself by smart people. In your perspective, what is a smart person? Hmm. Well, you know, there's, there's a ton of forms of intelligence, right? Well, I, won't, exactly. I won't give you the, the waffly answer. yeah. yeah. Um, you mean how do you determine? Yeah, if like smart? what is intelligence? What, what, is, what is a smart person? How do you? Is it someone who's technically brilliant? Is it a great leader? Is it someone who can be an incredible salesperson? Or is it? 
you or you just do you just know when you're when you're around someone who's smarter than you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think there's an there's an energy of of someone who right. who's got a particular level of speciality in their field and they're able to communicate it right and right. kind of get it out there. I think there are brilliant people out there, but if they're unable to communicate their ideas, it's really hard for them to to kind of get that stuff across. So. Yeah. You know, smart. smart. There, are, there are lots of, you know... Uh, listen, the other, the other piece of advice, I think I grew up... Listen, I did a French degree at university, right? And now I work in tech and big data. Um, and, and I never thought that I could ever do that, right? I never thought... I th- I'm See, not, Google now didn't know that. If they'd known that, they wouldn't man, have given it's like, yeah, I'm stuff. like the chef advertised that to him. <laughs> so, so, so you're saying you can change fields? You shouldn't get hung up in what you study? Yeah, I think if you've got enough uh, intellectual curiosity, if people support you... You know, it, I read something, who's, I can't, I'm misquoting someone the other day, said, you go into a room or a kindergarten full of kids, right? And you say, put your hand up, who can sing? Everyone puts their hands up, right? Mm-hmm. Put your hand up, who can dance? Everyone Because everyone can Good dance, point. right? Yeah. If you go into a room of, of, of adults, everyone's shy, you know, because they, they, you, know, you grow up and you lose your, 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 your curiosity, your ability to learn, so you pigeonhole yourself incredibly quickly. So I think the British education system, when I'm looking, I lived in, in France for a while, you know, in, in France, it's, you know, they, they kind of specialize you incredibly quickly, right? At least in Britain, it's a bit more open, but listen, not everyone is fantastic at everything, and, and nor should they spend their time trying to master tw- you know, music, arts, science, maths, the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I, think it's, I think it's sensible not to pigeonhole yourself. If you've got an interest and a desire and a bit of time, Nowadays, you, the access to information through, you know, Google or Khan Academy or TED or whatever, you know, the information and data, which is information, is self-democratizing. So I think we're in a world where, through the internet, people can get access to cool stuff and learn, and you know, don't have to be pigeonholed. No, that's good. I think that's a great. lot of people just, yeah, they mentally stop themselves, probably sure. subconsciously, and think, that's I true. can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do yeah. that. And especially yeah. when it comes to a career change or a startup or, you know, if you have some background in X degree or Y degree. But we've met a lot of people here that have had yeah, completely non-technical degrees, yeah, yeah. you know, that are, that are right at the core of that game. Yeah. But um, I agree. I think that's good advice for this year. Find someone new in your life that, that you want to aspire to be or smarter than you, that you'll make you raise your own game and get rid of one person in your life, too. Uh-huh. I know. You got to, you got to, you know, upgrade your peer group. It's a zero-sum game is what you're saying? I'm saying you can. Spoken <laughs> <laughs> like a, two, a true trader. <laughs> exactly. FX. I'm saying you have a limited bandwidth of people you can really spend time with. So if you it's really true. want to up one side, you do have to cut out some of the riffraff. We had Tim Ferriss in here on London Real last year. And for his New Year's resolutions, he, he's not writing down things that he's going to do new. He's writing down things he's going to edit from his life. And that's people, routines, and things like that that he's going to get rid of in his life. So anyways, that's a different show. Um, final bit of that advice question. What's the bit of, uh, best bit of advice you've ever received that you can remember? Best piece of advice I've ever received... Uh, I'll go back to my wife. Just do it. There we go. Go okay. out and do it. Okay. So, yeah, believe, you know, what does that mean? It means believe in yourself. Take a risk. You know, don't be afraid to take a risk. I think what's, what's the worst that's going to happen? If you, you've got an idea, you think you can start a business, go for it. What's the worst that can happen? It's perfect advice from the missus. That way, when yeah. you come home, you can be. Do you like, like that brownie yeah. points? Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching, and, darling. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and if you're having <laughs> a, a tough, you know, a tough finance around, you're just like, you told me. Yeah, you yeah. told me to go for it. <laughs> We're living in a shoebox down we by got the no, river. We can't pay rent. We got no food on the table. Yeah. No problem. You told me to just do it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, Hopefully, she won't regret it. Colin, Colin, <laughs> what did I miss, man? Did I, did I miss anything? I think we're good. I think we wanted to talk, chat about Tel Aviv, and I, I think that that's really cool. That's a, a perspective that that I hear so much about it. Or you know, yeah. I watch Bloomberg every morning, mm-hmm. and just these little things that keep keep trickling over the last sort of year and a half. And uh, 
Um, it's cool. We should get a Tel Aviv startup. Yeah, if you're listening and you're a, a, t- a startup in Tel Aviv and you're coming to London the next three months, contact yeah. us. Because I think it'd be nice to get to some uh, somebody who's on the ground, yeah. maybe founded there, yeah. and just see what it's like. Because we talk about Berlin and the, the Silicon Alley and Valley, and I think there you is so much going You can fly 180 pounds, 120 pounds on EasyJet, right? I mean, it's the other side of Greece. There we you go. Know, you know? Yeah. Maybe we yeah. got to go on location. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> and you were just there and it was like 20 degrees and just... Hey, it's 20 degrees, oh, breakfast yeah. by the beach. There you go. You both, you both got sun. I didn't get any sun, so <laughs> I'm going to definitely think about it. Um, that's awesome. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting story, Gareth. I, I think we we'll are all agree this is going to just move exponentially, this, this whole business. But also, like you said, it's still early days. So, you know, it's... We're still on 3G most of the places. I think for me, that's why I don't use my mobile more is A, because I hate getting back to emails on my mm-hmm. mobile and B, my battery life sucks. And C is uh, is is just data in terms of sort of how fast it can go. But, but Wi Fi, um, I mean, Wi Fi is going to become ubiquitous in no right. time. So go back to Tel Aviv to go on. But everywhere it's just ubiquitous Wi Fi. Uh, it's just provided by the city, right? And, yeah. and Google's doing a ton of, of, of things in the US. And, and I think as that opens up, yeah. then it makes life easier. But what about tablets? You want a you want an Android or an iPad? I have or... an iPad, but I never use it. Remember, That's my next question because that yeah. is a mobile device yeah. technically, mobile. right? Yeah. And everything's going that way. Yeah. So every is going to your market right yeah absolutely i do i think if speech recognition that improves and battery life improves i will really use tablets you use more. voice are you on an android I, device because you've got google now right yeah i'll have it on my iphone okay. and it's pretty good yeah because get it i just typing i can get i can just type really quickly and so it's more way more efficient than do you know what i mean so search, just, I think, is awesome. But, yeah. Uh, just last question: Your thoughts on Google Glass? I'm sure you know you're not working to market that with the current company. Maybe you are, but you know you used to work there. And, mm-hmm. and what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Is there advertising there, or is that in five years? Ah, there's no doubt about it. Right now, they uh, there's no advertising capabilities. Right, so they blocked as they rolled out the SDK for developers. Uh, you can't uh, basically deliver ads into the into the Glass uh, platform. Right. Um, so they've done that on purpose, logically. Right. Um, for me, I mean, you know, we've only got to look at, you know, there's projected to be, if you look at Cisco, Cisco project 50 billion connected devices by 2020, Gartner in December, so a lot fresher stats say 26 billion. So who knows how you count it, right? But certainly CES, which kicked off this week in, in Vegas, uh, you know, Samsung's releasing a whole integrated home entertainment systems uh, where you can now uh, text or message your fridge your uh, mm. boiler, right? So if you're away, you want to change the thermostat and you want to you know, save power or whatever. You know, the whole, this exponential growth of connected the internet devices. Of things. The internet, the internet of things, things man. Yeah. So yeah. The, forget about all the data that's sure. available there. There's tons of opportunities. So for me, wearable tech is, is super cool. Yeah. Uh, glasses are particularly cool. Um, I don't think we're going to see ads immediately. Uh, but at the same time, there's, there's a ton of opportunity because it is mobility. It's just a hands-free mobile device. That's all it is. Um, for you and guys, you certainly get the eyeball time, so uh, no pun intended. And I guess for you, the more data available, the better you can analyze it and give it to your customers, so they can target it better to the customer. Absolutely. So you're happy days. Absolutely, and hopefully yeah. it means better ads for everyone, right? right. As a right. consumer, more, more likely yeah. to get something that's relevant, which is hopefully a good thing. Yeah, that's really what you want. I mean, that's what everyone wants, yeah. really. I don't mind a relevant ad. Yeah. 
Uh, have you tried the Google Glass? I haven't. Me neither. You I, neither. I don't have the contacts anymore. Uh, I've been shut out of that world. You, you've been blacklisted. <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, if you're listening and watching us live, thanks for uh, bearing through those first few minutes. You probably have found some personal things about you know us uh, on that. If you want uh, to watch us and you're listening on iTunes or on YouTube cha- uh, channel Silicon Reel, where you get the full-on single camera, single person look. Yeah. And yeah, that's um, new. It's, good. it's going well, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's going well. Uh, yeah. Episode twenty. Eight? 28 I think 28, yeah. yeah yeah. we p- got picked up on our third season now there on we YouTube go. we're really excited about that and uh, we're on Twitter at Silicon Reel yep. on Facebook we are uh, always looking for uh, people to help out specifically for a biz dev person come get involved you can meet cool people like Gareth every week it's in, a new in year industry. Yeah. make us your plus one uh, make, make us you upgrading your peer group there you go you can hang out with super smart people like Fun. Colin yeah. and me Ooh, I don't know and uh, learn a bunch of crazy things. You guys are my plus ones. That's why. <laughs> See? You're the smarter people than me. So. It's a synergy, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. cool. So that's all good. How do people get a hold of you? Uh, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter, Gareth Davis RM. Okay. Uh, Adbrain Tech is the best one. So follow us, okay. check out what we're doing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So thank you for listening. It's a fantastic story. Yeah. I love the fact that you were from Google now doing this stuff. We wish you all the success. Um, you know, we say it's about the people on Silicon Real. And it is. So uh, thanks, guys, so much. Cool. We'll, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks, man. Bye Cheers, guys. guys. Take care. These are interesting, awesome people that like you feel comfortable having in your house and that you want to spend more time with. And that, that way, the service becomes addicting where you just want to use it over and over and over again. So because we put so much time and effort into picking who we want to be part of our, our organization, it really reflects well when the clients use the service. Okay, fair enough. Well, this is Silicon Reel, so it's time to get real. So Lauren, we're going to hit with a couple yeah. hard questions. Right. I'm going to go first. Okay. Um, you guys charge 20% of the total task. Yeah. Someone say that's a lot of money.